and I was doing an event at a retail store. And all of a sudden I couldn't feel my legs from my knees down out of the blue, especially it felt like someone was taking a scouring pad and rubbing it around my feet 24 seven. Yeah. It was this oddest sensation where I woke up in the middle of the night, the room was spinning. I had really bad vertigo. I got sick, vomited all night and woke up the next morning and had double vision. That was scary. My name is Paul Harvey, and this is Life, Passion, and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. When the Dalai Lama was asked, what surprises you most? He said, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. And then he sacrifices money to recapture his health. And then he's so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die and then dies having never really lived. And it's so true. We think we are invincible and life will go on forever. And yet we take our health for granted. But our health is one part of our existence that changes every aspect of our living experience. When our body fails us, we lose so much of what it is to be human and how we experience life. My guest on the program is Chris Vasiliadis. She had an active life as a professional makeup artist and a marketing consultant for small businesses. She was fit and active and came from a healthy family of long-lived parents and grandparents. So to have an onset of an autoimmune condition arrive out of the blue was a big shift in life direction for her. It started as a loss of feeling in her feet and legs and culminated in double vision, vertigo and then the loss of sight in one eye. It was the beginning of a condition called multiple cirrhosis, which is a, a degenerative disease that has a range of life debilitating symptoms and the perceived wisdom is there is no cure, so it's managed and it's something you live with. Thankfully Chris was diagnosed early and was able to manage her symptoms to the point where the disease has not returned in over 15 years. It was that journey that opened her eyes to the world of health and wellness. And our conversation is an exploration of that journey to recovery. It was during that exploration that she discovered the effects of stress and burnout in women. And since then, she's written the book, Ignition, a guide for professional women to avoid burnout. She speaks on stage, at events, conferences, and is a certified health coach. So let's join the conversation with Chris Vasiliadis. Hello, I'm delighted to be with Chris Vasiliadis today, and she is an author, a speaker, a burnout coach, and there's been some health things going on in her life. So we're going to explore all that one. So thank you so much for being with me today, Chris. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me here today. I'm excited to delve into conversation with you today. Yeah, I'm good too. I, 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 uh, I just love it, the fact that I do this for a living. <laughs> 
So tell me, Chris, this is life, passion and business. And mm-hmm. it is all about the journey, the journey we have in life, that process, that 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 thing that drives us forward and the highs, the lows, you know, the, the good bits, the not so pleasant bits. But what we learn out of them, those, that's, that's the stuff we want to explore here. So where did it all start for you? Boy, so it's my journey has been a series of ups and downs, some intentional decisions and and not so intentional decisions. Uh, We can start with probably the most recent phase of my journey, relatively speaking, is when I uh, got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. That happened back in 2005. And part, yeah, and it came out of the blue. Uh, No one in my family, then or since has anything neurological. At the time I was working, uh, believe it or not, as a professional makeup artist. And I was doing an event in Boston. I live in in the US outside the Boston area. And I was doing an event at a retail store. And all of a sudden I couldn't feel my legs from my knees down, out of the blue. That's really scary, isn't it? It was it was I, 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 it was shocking enough initially that I wasn't scared at first. It was more, well, that's kind of strange. I don't remember hurting my back. Hmm, what could be going on? And then over the course of a couple of weeks, it, it uh, progressed up to all the way up to my hips. So it, I basically, you know, the sensation you get when you hit your funny bone? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that numbness, tingling type thing. That's what I was feeling. And that's not to affect your mo- movement and, and walking and mobility. It didn't affect my mobility <clears throat> at that point. It was more the sensations that I was feeling. I, I mm. remember very distinctly my feet, especially. It felt like someone was taking a scouring pad and rubbing it around my feet 24 mm. 7. Ooh. Yeah. It was this oddest sensation. Um, and so I. Uh, initially got an MRI done and, and the first neurologist wanted to diagnose me right then and there. And I had done some enough research online to be like, don't, don't you need to have at least two of these attacks uh, before you diagnose? Well, yeah, you can get a second opinion. So I did that person. um, The second opinion agreed that it was premature to diagnose me, wanted to run some more tests and Within the next couple of weeks, I had what would be my second attack where I woke up in the middle of the night, the room was spinning, I had really bad vertigo, I got sick, vomited all night and woke up the next morning and had double vision. Oh, wow. Which I knew that was scary because I, and I knew from enough research that that was another classic MS symptom. So for people who don't know what MS is, multiple sclerosis, it's it's a chronic disease of the central nervous system. There is no cure for it. They do not know what causes it. They think it's autoimmune, but they don't know. Um, so, so yeah, so I could, I, I literally had to wear an eye patch to see straight. And uh, so when I, when that attack happened, I uh, was given uh, outpatient uh, therapy with a, a steroid called solumedrol. And on the second day of my infusion, the, the second neurologist walked in and said, okay, I'm diagnosing you now. And that was December 2nd of 2005. Uh, so I, I feel lucky, believe it or not, that I was diagnosed pretty quickly uh, because my first attack was in early October of that year. And because MS is a, is a diagnosis of elimination. They don't know what causes it. Uh, excuse me. Um, you can't take a blood, you can't do a blood test and say, yep, you get MS. They, they eliminate t- different things. Um, 
So yes, yeah, so I got diagnosed. You're in, are you in Boston, in the US? Of course you are, aren't you? Yeah, I live right outside the Boston area. And, and of course, I, not to be too critical of the US health system, the testing culture is how they get paid. So, so, so the longer they can keep you in the testing phase in some respects, the more money that can be made out of it all. <laughs> so some folks might have, that might be the experience for some folks. That wasn't my experience. Um, yeah. And so I felt like I was diagnosed as, as quickly as, as was possible. Mm. And so, yeah. So again, at the time I was doing two different jobs. I was a makeup artist and I was also doing marketing consulting. And I continued to do those jobs for a while. Um, but then the follow, so the following year, I call it the year of the lab rat because I mean, let's just, let's just step back. What was your mindset like at this point? Because look, you know, I mean, your family, none of your family have had this. Yeah. You know, I mean, were you scared? Were you frightened? The one thing, the thing that frightened me most, Paul, more than my diagnosis was when I had the double vision because mm-hmm. I, I wondered, gee, am I ever going to be able to see straight again? That's what went through my mind. I mean, what's your, I mean, you had a, I mean, you had children at the time. I mean, what was your family situation? So um, myself and my husband, and we don't, we don't have children. Um, both my parents were still alive at the time that I got diagnosed. And in fact, three of my grandparents were still alive at the time oh. that I got diagnosed. So, and there's longevity in my family. So um, no, I, w- I have to say, I was very matter of fact about it. I was like, okay. This is what I have now. Now, how do I manage it to the best of my ability? Yeah. Um, and when, so like I said, when I got the double vision, I had to wear an eye patch. And at that point, I wasn't prepared to share with people other than my immediate family that I had this diagnosis. So when I went to networking events and such, and obviously I have this eye patch on, and I would just make, I just made up a story that I, you know, scratch my eye or got an eye infection or something like that. So, because I wasn't prepared to talk about it with, mm. with other people. And so, yeah, I, um, but it took me, it was six weeks before I could see straight again. So that was a pretty long time, relatively speaking, but I, but I, it ultimately resolved itself and I, w- and I was able to see straight, thank goodness. And, and thankfully it hasn't happened again. Uh, and in fact, I've now been relapse free for over 14 years. Um, and, and we can get to the why I think that is. But um, yeah, I was very matter of fact about it. At one, uh, I walked into my primary care physician's office in January of the next year and said, okay, I have this diagnosis. It's my intention to live a very active, healthy life. What should I be doing? Mm. And she lined me up with all kinds of tests. So I called 2006, the year of the lab rat, because <laughs> I had all different tests and, and to figure, uh, and we learned that I was deficient in certain things that started me on uh, certain supplements that I'm still on today. Uh, we learned I was not good with gluten. So I've been militantly off gluten since 2006. I learned different ways to manage my stress and so all that together, and I, and I did start to take one of the MS disease modifying drugs shortly after my diagnosis, and I'm still on one of those today. So health and wellness just be, over time became more and more important to me personally. So prior to this, were you in a stressful situation? Were you in a stressful role? I wouldn't say, no, it wasn't, uh, no, I love the job that I was doing. I, I love the, um, 
the market I was doing. I loved the makeup artistry I was doing. Everything in my family was good. So no, I wouldn't say that I was overly stressed. Um, and in learning that I had this diagnosis, I learned that it is good to manage your stress because that will minimize the chances of you having future flare-ups and, and attacks and yeah. exacerbation. Yeah. So stress management became more, more important to me as a preventative measure. Well, my wife has Parkinson's and, oh, and wow. she, has, she has low-grade Parkinson's, but it's still oh, Parkinson's. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's the same, same situation as yourself. It's managed, you know. It's, and, and, yeah. uh, but the point is, and we know that as soon as a stressful thing comes on, anything stressful, then suddenly, you know, the, it, it just goes berserk. It just comes, it just comes roaring through. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's more a bit more immediate than yours because it, it's a physical movement and, and the stress yes. triggers it. So, yeah, fascinating. Yes. And it's really true. Stress is just an, a, such a powerful effect on the body. It can. And, you know, stress, life has stressors in it. We, we can't remove the stressors, but we can look at how we respond to them and are we mm. responding to them in a powerful way. I mean, way. it's very useful when that tiger jumps out at you, but yes, but that doesn't happen too often these days. You know, so you, and you don't have to run that fast these days or away right. from these ferocious animals. So a lot of the stress that we probably have in this life is probably self-induced <laughs> or, or induced well, by someone be. else. Yes, yeah, sometimes we can make it, we can make our <clears throat> suffering worse in terms mm -hmm. of how we respond to our stress. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's really important to be very deliberate and intentional on, first of all, being aware of <clears throat> what causes stress for us, and then what's a powerful way to respond to that. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the passion on all of this. I mean, yes. it, clearly, before you were diagnosed, your passion was in marketing and in, and in makeup artistry and that sort of stuff. Did, was that was that were they a passion jobs passion roles for you or were they just jobs? Yeah, so I would say they were jobs with the underlying passion. So my overall passion, which has been with me since I was a young child, is I have a passion for people, and that's manifested itself in in many different ways. And and I've always been interested in what makes people tick. Generally mm. curious about other people. And in looking back, I think that came from my parents. My my late father was very um, always very curious about people and, and their background and their history and their family. Uh, and my mom, who who is still with us, thankfully, um, she was and still is very much a people person, very sociable, a people person in a different way from my dad. So I feel like I got the best of both of them mm. in, in growing up. So yeah, I've always been interested in people and, and ultimately serving people in different ways. So when I was doing makeup artistry, <clears throat> You know, I was helping women, whether it was in general feeling good about themselves or help them on their wedding day or help them do uh, for professional headshots. And on the marketing, I was primarily self-employed also and working for um, helping solopreneurs or small business owners market their themselves and their business to get more clients to help them with their passions. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And then that and then my diagnosis ultimately led me to the work that I do today, which is uh, I got trained and certified as a health coach because health and wellness became so much more important to me after my diagnosis that I wanted to help other people create their ideal state of health and wellness. Of course, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that would be important to you. Yeah, <clears throat> what does that look like? 
Can you say more? What do you mean? Well, I mean, you say, I mean, you know, health, health and wellness is a very big, very broad church, isn't it? It's a, it's it's a, a very huge, big it's a huge industry, health and wellness. So, yeah. so I, I'm guessing you don't do it all. So. <laughs> no. So when I and, and I appreciate the question. Yes, it is a really big umbrella. And there uh, when I first started my business, my business is called Priority Wellness. Uh, I focused on stress management primarily. And then over the years, that's evolved more into helping people manage their energy effectively in ways that prevent burnout. Um, that the, the burnout piece is something I've become very, very passionate about because it, it pulls at my heartstrings. And again, we're getting back to the people passion. When I see professional women, especially kill themselves over how they're running their lives, because they think that that's the, you know, that's what's necessary to be quote unquote successful. And it's, we don't need to compromise our health to be successful. And, and so it's my joy to help people figure out how to turn things around when they feel like they're over busy, overstressed. They realize how their functioning is not sustainable, but they don't know how to turn things around. Who, That's who was it that said uh, yeah, that uh, the West, West, Western people, um, I have to drop in here because I butchered that quote so badly. It was the Dalai Lama that said it and I used it in the introduction. Yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah, and that that is true for a certain cohort of folks. But yeah, yeah so I'm on a mission to to turn that around and create as many role models in the opposite way as possible. Basically, how you can you can successfully find ways to run your day without running yourself into the ground. Mm. And that's what I enjoy. So, doing. how do you run your day as a role model? Or shouldn't yeah. I ask? That, shouldn't I ask that question? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> no because I I, re, I I try very hard and very deliberately to walk my talk. And so, it, it, there's a bunch of different things that I do personally. For me, I, I find the way that I start my day is helpful. Yeah. So uh, I always begin my day with journaling. I've journaled since I was a, a young child. Uh, I, I journal, I meditate. And my meditation, it could be five minutes. It could be a half hour. Today, I felt like I needed a half hour. So that's what I did. Um, but other days, it might be five or 10 minutes. Um, and I was listening to The Good Life Project this week, which is a fantastic podcast. Just, and I, uh -huh. I, love, I love to promote other podcasts. A Jonathan, a Jonathan, I just love his voice. I wish I had a voice like his, but hey, he's a New Yorker. Uh, 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 so, but I mean, he was, he uh, interviewed some people about meditation and some yes. of the, some of the stuff, some of the, some of the research coming out about meditation now is just, it's just off the planet. What you can do with meditation. It's, it's very powerful. And there were so many different ways to do it. Yeah. Um, I was, I was taught well, after my diagnosis, I was taught a, a form of standing Chinese meditation called Qigong. And then fast forward a few years, I was, I, I enrolled in John Kabat-Zinn's program. Of, uh, it's called MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. It's basically <clears throat> mindfully being able to mindfully meditate. And which is basically, it boils down to simply uh, sitting quietly and observing your breath. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, and, but there's so many different ways you can meditate. You can, you can do a walking meditation. You know, you walk and you notice, you notice your feet, how they feel on the ground. You notice your posture, you notice your pace, you notice how, where, where your hands are going. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways to meditate. I know sometimes people can feel who don't, who haven't done it, but are maybe a little curious about it, have, um, 
trepidation and oh I don't have 45 minutes a day you don't need 45 minutes a day you can if it's if it's curious if you're curious about it you can do it for 30 seconds you can do it for a minute I've had a lot of people on here talking about meditation and and, Uh um, there is one podcast which has probably been released already by the time this has come out and the show is with Terry Sidhu and it's called The Path of Least Resistance I'll put a link in the show notes Again, you know, the stuff that he learned, right? And he learned it from a child uh, and it changed his life. So I really, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in this process. Sadly, I don't always take part quite as diligently as it might help me, but I do run and I, and I consider my running quite meditative. So I guess that's, that's how I do it. I do it in that. Yeah. Way. And there's no right way for everybody. No. So um, yeah. So, so yeah, meditation is part of my morning routine, journaling, planning my day. And, and when I plan my day, I I really kind of think through not only what I'm doing, what's already scheduled, but kind of visualize how I want to be in, in each of those scenarios. So that, Mm -hmm. that helps. And then, um, in general, making sure I take breaks during the day. I don't, I don't powwow through back-to-back meetings or, um, you know, stay heads down at my desk all day. I, I work from home and I worked from home pre-pandemic. So I've worked from home for a number of years. And, you know, I make sure I get up, I get away from my desk. I break for meals. I get outside. Um, and, you know, there's nothing, uh, it's very good to get fresh air, sunshine, look out at the horizon. There are so many benefits to getting outside. Personally, I'm a napper. I do a nap every day. I don't need a nap every day. I did actually the year after my diagnosis, I needed a nap every day that that next year, but I do need a nap once in a while. And I find a 25 minute nap, very restorative when I need it. So it's very rare that I'll pull an all day. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, no. uh, And my father was a huge napper. So Mm. yeah, no, I, I strongly believe in the power of naps. So yeah, we, and, and that's what I help my clients do is figure out the right combination of things that works for them. I guess uh, it's quite difficult though, when they are, you know, in the corporate environment, isn't it? It's, it's quite difficult when they are, if they're self-employed, it's not so, not so difficult. They can, they can schedule it in. Yeah. So the difference <laughs> when you're self-employed, you control, mm. control your environment. Yeah. Holy. And in the, in, in the corporate sense, part of your environment is enforced upon you. And, and then there's the corporate culture as well. So there's different things to kind of dance around and negotiate. So it helps in corporate who, that you have leaders who walk the talk and are, who, who are good role models for how to, how to behave. And you know, so if you're not expected to be on 24 seven, it is okay and it is safe to kind of raise your hand if you're feeling overwhelmed. Hopefully the COVID situation will have adjusted how corporate um, activity is behaving. Yeah, I, I, I see part of that already happening mm. with companies. There are certain progressive companies who are being very flexible with uh, how they are allowing their employees to work. If you, you know, they're not forcing employees to come back and work in the workplace They've seen, we've proven in many corporate environments that people can successfully work from home. Yeah. And 
So whether that's you know 100% working from home or whether it's a hybrid. I suspect a hybrid will be needed because it because yeah, there, there, is, there is there is something nice about working with a group of people. I miss that. I have to say. Oh, oh yeah, the genie's <clears throat> out of the bottle. I mean, we've changed fundamentally how we're we're working forever. Mm. So yes, I I agree that I, I see some uh, mm. hybrid is here to stay. Absolutely. Yeah. So back to your passion. You're now passionate about helping people sort out their health and keep them, and and stay healthy. Yes, keep them healthy, uh, preserve their well-being, prevent them from getting burnt out, mm. and and yeah, and uh, and honoring honoring what they need. And following. what tool, what tools do you bring to them for that? Is this a coaching process, or is this is this more than that? Yeah, so I coach. Uh, so I how I work is I coach folks primarily one on one, either over the phone or by Zoom, their choice, and. I also speak in different settings uh, from inside companies to professional organizations and associations uh, to different uh, professional conferences. And so in terms of tools, what I find is, oh, and I have a book called Ignition. That's the main title. And the subtitle is A Professional Women's Guide to Energized Burnout Proof Living. Wow. Uh, because pro professional women are my specialty, but I also work with men. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and in that book, I capture five different pillars for how to effectively that I've found that are kind of the common threads, the common patterns that I've seen, Paul, that work well in helping people burn out proof their lives. So mm -hmm. when people sum up kind of what's going on for them and their challenges, we look at the areas where that are, that they're strong in and the areas that they want to enhance and up level on. And, and that's what we work on. So every, every, every client is different. Um, it's typically a mix of uh, mindset work, boundary setting, and in modifying some habits, uh, primarily around how they're managing their energy and uh, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all of the above in, in how they're functioning. Mm. Which kind of brings me on to the next question really, because it, I suspect a lot of the driver of burnout is a poor success model. The model that someone holds, they determine what success is. If they're striving for something which is kind of not theirs or, or not right for them, yeah, kind of leads to that place of burnout to me. You're you're exactly right. And so <clears throat> when, when I start working with folks, we I give them the opportunity to redefine and reimagine that because a lot of their definition of success came from their upbringing or came mm. from role models or came basically came from someone else. Mm. And for maybe the first time they, they get the opportunity to look at, well, what do, how do I want to define it? What do I know that is going to work for me now? What's going mm. to work for me if they have a family? What's going to work for me and my family? And that can be very empowering because you, mm. you get to define, you can define that at any time. What are, what are the, your new rules of the road? The new, what are the expectations that you want to set for yourself? What's going to, what's going to help you be at your best? 
Well, I mean, the universe, I, I call it the universe. To me, the yeah. universe, the universe gives you the warning, isn't it? Because I mean, yeah, when you, when you, the stress, the burnout is that those sort of things, it's like, hey guys, you, you can't keep doing this. You got to think, think of a new plan because this ain't right. going to carry, it's going to work. It's, you can carry on if you like, but ain't going to end well. <laughs> yes, no, so true. What's, what's your definition of success for you now? For me, my definition of success is being in alignment with what you say is important to you and being congruent with that in your actions and in your behaviors. Mm -hmm. If you, if you say that something's important to you, but you're doing the opposite, then, then that's not successful. But if you, but if you're able to align that, yeah, that's success. Do you keep yourself in check with this one? Do you have to keep monitoring yourself? Are you you good with that? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not perfect <laughs> like anybody else. I'm human and, you know, uh, have my faults, but I, I build in a check-in uh, weekly, like mm-hmm. looking back and seeing, you know, what I had planned to do for this week, how I plan to do it and, and look back at not only what I did, but, but what energy did I bring to it? Mm. You know, did I bring did I bring what was I resentful about doing something and did that show up or was I, you know, was I positive? Did I bring a sense of possibility to something? Yeah. So I kind of, uh, as I say, eat, I eat my own dog food in terms of, you know, doing. That's, that's not a nice image. <laughs> I, I suggest you come up with a different metaphor. I don't like that one. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, do the things suggest and work on my clients on yeah substitute whatever metaphor you like yeah I will do thank you (laughs) so how do you define contribution yeah so (laughs) there's so many different ways I could look at that but I I feel like it's in inspiring people go it it goes back to people for me to inspire Mm. people to honor their humanness and to fully engage in their lives. Mm. That, that's, what, that's what I feel my contribution is. Um, and to be able to do that in a way that preserves your well-being. Perfect. Because you can be engaged, but you might be exhausted. Mm. So you know, how, do you, how do you do that in a way that preserves your well-being? Mm. And so, how do you contribute to yourself? How do I inspire myself to do those things? Well, how do you contribute to yourself? What is, what is contribute? contribute? contribution for you looking after you I guess that's why looking mean. after me yeah it, it really you know honoring what I need if I need <clears> to <throat> you know, if I need to take a break and a, a longer break than usual I'm going to honor myself and do that if I need to stop and pause something and because I feel like something's going off track I'll give myself permission to do that whether that's in a client call or 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 what have you um, so yeah, or maybe if I, and, and I know this might resonate for folks, if I look at what I had planned to do for the day and I realized I just piled too much stuff on in the day, like, there's no way I'm going to get all this stuff done. And I'm going to give myself permission to, you know what, these, if I get anything done, these are the top three things that, that need to get done. I'm going to do that. And then the world's not going to fall apart. God, that, that's one of my worst fault that is i i always overestimate what i can achieve in the time available i'm terrible for you it. are you are not alone there paul i see that, <laughs> I see that often i always I, set myself up and you know, i didn't achieve that bit or that bit or that bit and i and i've got better i have got better i do the bits i know that i want to definitely get done 
Yeah. And we often don't give ourselves some slush space. Mm. Um, Like if you go to a networking event and and for a networking event to work well, besides making connections, you want to follow up with connections afterwards. A lot of times people don't allow the space afterwards to do that follow up. So build that in. Mm. As an, that, that's a quick, simple example. But we don't we often don't build in the time mm. to to do the extra stuff. We kind of forget about that. Yeah, we don't. Um, yeah. And, and build in time. Also, I'm a big fan of white space, you know, leaving white space in the day. Don't don't book tasks back to back to back. Give yourself some white space. Don't instead of hour long Zoom meetings back to back. Challenge yourself to get done in 45 to 50 minutes, what you allotted 60 minutes for and give yourself 10 minute breaks. That's that's a great way to add in some white space. What I've noticed is I, I started giving myself a lot more space. I, I take a lot of time over things. And what I have noticed is by doing that, the creativity that I find, that I new ideas that come in, the new new thoughts that come in because there's space, Yes. I would never have got those ideas or those 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 possibilities if I hadn't allowed for it. Yeah, we need to get rid of the that's because you've allowed your brain to work better mm. because your brain needs the space. It's not being lazy or a sloth to have those pieces of space. That's what that's what innovation requires. That's what creativity requires. So, yeah, um, it is it is okay i'm giving your listeners permission to give you give yourself space during Absolutely. The day. i'll give them permission too there you go we've, yeah. we've both given them permission now they're, they're, right. they're well and truly permitted so <laughs> if we were um what is the one question you want people to ask themselves or ask so, you however you want to phrase that yeah so for me that this is a tie um it's a tie between uh, periodically ask yourself what matters most to me, whether it's, at, it could be at this point in your life, it could be for today, it could be this week, but just pause and ask yourself what, what matters most to me now? What's my intention now? So many times we're running so hard, running so fast, we'll, you know, uh, run in hot into a meeting or run in hot into your next conversation. And you're forgetting, you forget what your intention is in that. What do I want out of this conversation? What do I want out of this meeting? And that can all get lost. Um, so give yourself a, a second to kind of press pause for a second before you have that next meeting or before you even do that next task on your own. And okay, what's my intention for this? What's my objective here? So you allow that enables you to stay focused and conscious in and stay in alignment with what matters most to you yeah very useful yeah good good so uh, who are you looking to speak to I mean, and and how you know what, what how will people get in touch with you so yeah my ideal folks are uh the overstressed overextended professional women who realize the way their functioning is not sustainable and they don't have they don't they can't figure out a way out and so that for the individuals that that tends to be my sweet spot um typically they can be solopreneurs they can be leaders inside companies uh and then there's another group of folks that i uh hr folks inside companies are, are other great contacts for me and the best way for people to get in touch with me is through my website, which is prioritywellness.com. Mm-hmm. And in fact, on my site, 
on right on the homepage, I have a free report. Uh, it's called Nine Mistakes That Prevent People From Burnout Proofing Their Lives. And that's available on my website, right on the homepage. Fantastic. And are you on other social media channels? Yes, I'm most on LinkedIn and Facebook. Lovely. Okay. Well, those links will be available at the website Life, Passion and Business and on this podcast app. So you can find them there. So do check out Chris's uh, website and connect with her because I think it's going to be a great story for everybody. It's very, very, uh, there's a lot of, if, you know, if you're someone that's feeling stressed or have any of those issues, I think Chris could certainly sort you out there. So do check it out. So Chris, Thank you so much. the last question I ask all of my guests, which is this question, which on some level, well, I think a lot of people don't bother even trying to answer it, but I think it's valid if you can. So what do you think the meaning of life is for you? For me, I always come back to the meaning of life is love. And it is to be an example of love and it's to see and look for it in, in other people, in in nature, what have you, because it, it's truly all around us. And if we, if we get ourselves out of the technology, out of the phones enough and look around, you can always see an example of that. And if, if you're ever confused about what next step to take, the question to ask yourself is, what would love do here? Oh, so, good. yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. What would love do is always, a good, is always a good thing to say, isn't it? What would love do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. So Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. I've enjoyed our conversation. It's been, been a blast. Thank you. My pleasure, Paul. I enjoyed our conversation today. All the best. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Chris Vesaliadis. If you'd like to connect with Chris, you can find her at her website, prioritywellness.com. There is also the book Ignition, which you can find on Amazon. You can also find her on Facebook and LinkedIn. If burnout is a thing or something you're interested in, there is a free report on the homepage around how to avoid burnout in your own life. So do check it out. All of those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Did you catch the weekend podcast about getting triple the joy out of your life? It's an, ex- an interesting exploration of how to use gratitude to bolster um, the experiences you have in life. Because when you anticipate something and experience something and then have gratitude for it, you get to experience the joy three times. Check out that post. You can find that in the shortcasts at lifepassionandbusiness.com. And while you're there, do check out the other resources because there's loads of things on that website to support you. Over 300 interviews and a couple of hundred shortcasts and loads of other materials to support you on the journey. And that's it for me for this week. If you've enjoyed this show, if you enjoy any show, any any podcast, please support your content creators by sharing it with someone that you know, because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. As I say every week, thank you so much for your time and attention and being on this journey with me. I'll catch you later. All the best.